This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. I wasn't in the situation where I was about to drown. I was getting close to it, but I wasn't there. And I also understand, and I've always understood that, that it is my responsibility. The situation that I'm in in life is 100% my responsibility. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Pivotal Conversations. We have a very, very, very exciting podcast coming up for you. This is the very first podcast of Leadership Month. So just like Tech Month, we have decided to dedicate a whole month to leadership. Now, if you're planning to scale your business beyond just yourself, leadership is one of the most important skills that you need to learn uh, because it is your rate limiter. In order to build a great team, you need to be a great leader. And in order to scale your business, you need to have a great team. That's always your rate limiter. And it's one of the most dynamic and hardest tasks in the absolute business world. Uh, But it also is the most rewarding. So to kick off today's episode, episode one of Leadership Month, we have JP Donnell joining us. So JP is a former Navy SEAL turned business consultant. Uh, an advisor for Echelon Front. So for those of you who don't uh, know and, and haven't heard the name, Echelon Front is Jocko Willink's company. So Jocko is a best-selling author. He's also a former Navy SEAL. He's been featured on some of the biggest podcasts in the world. Um, I think he, he, you know, Extreme Ownership it was one of his first books. And it was actually one of the, the first books I read when I started reading roughly seven years ago. So and and man, it just it gave me so much perspective, and I still use lessons from that book today. Uh, it, you know, it was one of those things that I was like, "Damn!" Like the problems I'm going through in life, and and you know, in business, there's people going through much worse. There's the you know, like I've got it pretty good, and and you know, in any situation, you need to take ownership of um, what it, what your circumstances are, because every decision you make has a consequence. Uh, and it's it gets you to where you are, and you know that's a lot of what we learn today with JP. Uh, he's such a cool guy, such a down to earth guy. Um, but as I said, you know anyone who's been on the battlefield, I, I respect enormously because being in life or death situations, I you know I just I, I can't even tell you because I I've never done it, but I just respect it so much, and I think it gives great perspective. Um, and there's a lot of lessons you can pull on leadership uh, and apply them to business, which is you know why their company is doing so well and, and is highly respected. Um, but one of the quotes that I, I want you to look forward to is, and that JP says is, the enemy thanks you for not giving 100% today. And man, like that was one of the things that you know, it just, I was like, fuck, like that is like, just think about it. You know, you're on, you're in battlefield, you're on the battlefield, and it's a life or death situation and like you not giving a hundred percent, not looking after the people around you could lead to death of yourself or, or the people that you care about. Um, and it's your livelihood. So as I said, action packed episode, a lot of perspective, get a notebook out, write some notes. Cause you're going to, you're just going to get so much out of this guys. I'm excited for you to listen before we dive in guys. Just want to, we literally have a few days left before the Diploma of Fitness Business registrations close. Uh, this is a step-by-step process of how to grow your business. We guide you through it. You get mentored. 
uh, and you'll understand the ver- the first principles that teach you how to not only manage and build your business so that it's sustainable, so that it's rock solid, but also how to grow it. Um, so hit the link in the show notes if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, registrations close this Monday, so check it out. Um, but I'm not going to hold you too much longer, guys. As I said, uh, really cool episode. Leadership Month, we're diving in, a lot of lessons, a lot of punches in the face, hitting your right square between the eyes, but that's what that's what you need, that's what we're here for, we're here to offer value, we're here to teach you, we're here to give lessons and have conversations that really make a difference in your life. So I hope you enjoy the episode guys and uh, make sure that if you do, you hit the subscribe button so that you can keep listening to all of the episodes that we produce and uh, make sure you share it with your friends. Oh, and I forgot, lastly, so now every month what we're going to be doing is giving away one spot into the Diploma of Fitness business, which we'll be running all year round uh, with different semesters. So all you need to do is uh, take a photo of the podcast that you're listening to. So if it's this episode, take a photo, uh, tag myself, uh, at Kyle R. Trainer, Reese Livingston, and at Pivotal Conversations, and let us know, you know, Give us a quote from the podcast, one of your biggest lessons. Let us know what you enjoyed. Uh, And at the end of every month, we're going to be drawing a winner. Hope you enjoy the episode, guys, and we'll see you on the other side. If you can, give us a bit of a background on who you are. um, Because, like as I said, I'm a bit of a fan. I'm excited to have you here. But uh, I want to try and make sure that everyone else uh, that's listening to the podcast today knows exactly who you are, what you're about, and yeah, a little bit about your journey so far, man. That'd be great. All right. So uh, if anyone's listening to this and if you've listened to the Jocko podcast, uh, you know, if you want the real long detailed version, Jocko podcast, episode 46 and episode 246. Um, uh, you know, I'm a, originally from Sacramento, California. Uh, you know, I grew up in the same house that my dad grew up in, <clears throat> went to the same high school that my dad went to had some of the same teachers which was pretty crazy uh you know and i you know i grew up playing in navy seal like i used to play navy seals but used to play marine corps force recon you know i used to play delta force and rangers and i just wanted to be in the military i wanted to serve you know uh, air force pararescues or my uncle was a which is our air force special forces and dude, those guys are badass what they can do on the medical side and you know i just i i just always was drawn to to serving and and being in the military and, uh, you know, I, as I was getting ready to graduate from high school, my dad, you know, <clears throat> pushed me that way and kind of questioned, he's like, hey, man, what are you going to do after high school? And, you know, I didn't really have anything planned out. And I just, you know, I told him, I'm like, oh, you know, be a whitewater rafting guy and live on the river. <laughs> you know, that's what my best friend was doing. And I thought that was a good idea. It seemed pretty cool. Uh, but obviously there's, you know, path and direction and future in that. And my dad, you know, like all parents usually want is they want better for their kids. And, uh, you know, I also thought about doing construction with my dad because that's what my dad had always done. That's what my, his dad had always done. And, you know, his dad was an old farmer from Nebraska. He was a hard worker. You know, he went into the Navy when he was 16 because World War II was going on. He had his mom, my great grandmother, sign a waiver so that he could join the Navy at an early age because the war was going on. You know, you think about that, right? Think about 16, 17 years old going into the military because of a world war. And we have grown adults these days who 
I mean, I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole. But yeah, you know, I mean, oh, I, I, look, the, you know, like this is one of the things that I, you know, really wanted to talk about, right? Like, because uh, my my stepfather is actually like he was special ops over in England, um, and yes. man, like, you know, I remember one time sitting christmas eve i think it was like three years into him like meeting my mother and like we were just sitting there drinking wine and he was telling me all these stories right and i just remember going hmm holy fuck right like and i'm 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 getting you know upset and kind of you know and 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 worried about all these kind of tiny little things that you know i might be going through and it's just like it was a massive perspective shift right to like okay like you know and, and even like the term mindset, right? It's like, it just completely shifted, you know, the way I thought, cause I was like, okay, like the stuff I'm going through, even if it seems bad in the moment to, to me is absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things, you know? And, and I think that's like, that was a massive perspective shift for me. And, and like, you know, what you were about to say is a, you can go down that rabbit hole, man. Cause like, fuck, there's people that need to hear it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can, but. I mean, we will a little bit. I'm, I'm not going to say it was truly on my heart and my mind because, you know, it just, I understand it's, it's probably not fair. It's probably not fair for me to say because I have a different perspective and I get emotionally a, um, attached to things that most people can't comprehend because they've never been in those situations. Mm. Uh, you know, but people need to wake the fuck up. And, you know, you see what's going on across the world right now. Bro, it's scary, man. It's scary because we are, you know, great nations like the, like the United States of America and Australia. And, you know, there's other great nations out there that we need to be careful conforming to like what we're conforming to right now, because the whole cancel culture thing, that's a dangerous thing. You know what I mean? When you start censoring people, that's a dangerous place to be. If, you, if you're not worried about what people are saying, why are you censoring them? You know, absolutely, man. And and that's the thing. It, it definitely um, it's one of those things with at the moment people like to put on the rose colored glasses and just pretend everything's okay. Um, but look, it's 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 not. And one of those things, man. I think it's really valuable um, if we kind of continue on with your journey. Of you, you you went into your first deployment at 23, didn't you? Yeah. Well, that was my second. So second. yeah, we'll go back. Um, you know, so I want to be a Navy SEAL. <clears throat> my dad was pushing me down that path. I uh, went into the recruiter's office, got some information. I, I, I had a cast on my hand. I cut my cast off so that I could actually go into the military uh, because they're like, Hey man, we can't do anything with that cast on your hand. I'm like, cool, go home. Told my dad, Hey, I want to be a Navy SEAL, blah, blah, blah. We cut my cast off. I went back in two days later and they're like, Oh, okay. And we started that process. And um, you know, you know, my dad, I just worked construction for my dad that summer. He got me, you know, prepared mentally and physically beyond what I ever imagined because he knew how hard it was going to be. He knew what was going on, you know, and, you know, cause he had talked to other people. Uh, my uncle, like I said, I had family members in the military, family members that were special forces. And, you know, he just knew what he needed to do. And, you know, and it's the greatest thing that he's ever done for me. It was obviously mentally and physically preparing me for that. But, you know, the greatest thing my parents have ever done is they, they've taught us how to work hard. And why working hard is a virtue and that you want to be, uh, you know, an individual that doesn't quit. And, that, you know, having tenacity is a great thing. You should be tenacious. You should have discipline. You should be focused. You should be the hardest worker in the room all the time. You don't have to be the smartest. 
but you need to be the hardest worker, you know, and if you're coachable and teachable and you can outwork people, you're going to win in life. And that's what I knew from an early age. And so I brought that mindset when I was going into the military and, you know, I was a young, immature kid. I made a bunch of stupid mistakes when I was in the Navy, uh, but I went through boot camp. I went through SEAL training. There's 222 of us that started day one. I was one of 28 that graduated at the end of that training, you know, and it was very difficult training, but it's about your mindset and deciding what you're going to do and what you want out of life. And that's the thing is like, I had always, you know, quit when I was younger, when I was a kid, because I had a shitty attitude. And if things weren't going my way, I would quit. And my dad would, he would drive him crazy. And he was always trying to work to, to, to kind of counter that. And I just remember before I left for boot camp, my dad was like, Hey, don't quit at this. And I was just like, yeah, Roger that, you know, and he just, because he just knew, you know, cause he knew how hard it was going to be. Now he didn't think I was going to quit. He, he, we've talked about it. He's like, I never thought you were going to quit, but I wanted you to know that quitting was not an option. Because if you want to achieve greatness in your life, you cannot quit. You can't take the easy path. You actually have to do what other people will not do so you can get what other people don't have. And, you know, that was why he said that very simple statement to me. He's like, don't quit at this. And I'm very thankful that he did that because I never had the idea or thoughts that I wanted to quit. But I just remember there's a lot of times going through that training and there's a lot of times in combat. And I can I can promise you if somebody only has something to talk about in regards to their hard training, they probably never done anything because I can tell you combat was a hundred times harder than buds ever was, you know, in the work, some of the worst environments and situations imaginable. And you have to understand that that, those are the times that it comes down to not quitting, you know, and you guys consult businesses all across the world. And, you know, if people just had that, I'm not going to quit mentality, then allows them to understand that that's not an option. And it's not an option. Then guess what? You have to solve the problems and fix what's ever broken in front of you. And that's what extreme ownership is. Extreme ownership is taking control of your life and everything around you that affects your life. It doesn't matter. You don't make excuses. You don't blame anybody else. You don't blame the environment. You don't blame the economy. You don't blame anybody because nobody else's fault other than yours to solve those problems. And I just had that, push and I felt that and I dude, I saw that firsthand in the military you know I saw good leaders that took ownership that empowered other people and then I saw really bad leaders that blamed everybody else that always made excuses and those bad leaders you know they would use their position you know and their titles to try to but everybody knew like that they sucked they they were horrible nobody wanted to be a part of them nobody wanted to go the extra mile for them what people would do is with the exact minimal requirements so they didn't get in trouble to, for those types of leaders. And then you have good leaders like Jocko, like Lape, like Seth, like a handful of other guys, my task unit that I can't mention because they're still serving that I would legitimately do anything for them. And I would legitimately go out of my way to make their life easier and better because I respected them because they took ownership. They didn't cast blame and they, they built belief into me and into our organization. And that's, that's the first thing that Jocko did when he took over our task unit is he, he, re, he rebranded us, right? Was there, a, was there a moment, man, like you said that growing up um, and, you know, through your younger years, you were a bit immature and you would, uh, you would quit a, a few things pretty often, man. Was there a moment there that, like, what changed it for you? Like, was there a moment where you were like, I'm not going to quit anymore, this is it? Well, I don't think there was any single, op- like, you know, my, I did kickboxing 
you know, so my dad got me into kickboxing when I was in sixth grade, I started it. And that probably helped shift my mindset. Martial arts is one of the best things that you can do for, for the, for kids and for adults now as well. Right. And now I do jujitsu and it's just amazing. It's jujitsu is one of the best things I've out there for humans to do because it's humbling. It requires hard work. It requires discipline and it requires a commitment to not quit in order to progress along and actually better yourself. It's not something that you can just go out there and be like, Oh, I got the hang of this and be better the next time. No. I mean, it takes years of dedication before you can get better. And so I think martial arts being doing kickboxing and Shotokan karate that my dad had me at this, I was this place called Niaveroni's kickboxing uh, in, in Sacramento, California. And he, he was the coach and trainer for the current heavyweight champion of the world. And this guy, Dennis Alexio, who lived in Hawaii. And the guy was just a monster. He was a feared, literally legit feared heavyweight, you know, champion. And, you know, so being able to train under Nasser and him kind of mentor and coach and train me of just instilling that hard work ethic that my dad gave me to a deeper level, but also that don't, we don't quit. You don't quit in martial arts. You don't quit in life. So that was probably the progression. Then also doing wrestling, right? Wrestling about that same time was start, you know, you can't be, you can't be on a wrestling team and not want to be there. Like nobody you know, cause it's a brutal sport. It's a pun. It, it's a punishment. Right. And that's why my wife and I are so proud of our, of our son. He decided to do wrestling his freshman year of high school. Right. That's a hard year to start wrestling. And, you know, he's just been just grinding out and just, just getting after it, which has been really cool to see him win, to see him lose, to learn from the wins, to learn from the losses and just to get, you can see him getting mentally tougher every match like i love it it's just, i can see it and my wife and i were talking like you can see his mental toughness actually increasing and his tenacity increasing and so i think it was from that you know and then obviously my parents you know just instilling that into us and so as i got older yeah it was just more of like a uh, i'm not gonna quit stuff because i knew it was the easy way out so you know I think it really talks to like a specific thing. So sorry. Yeah. There wasn't yeah. a specific thing. I think it really talks to like putting yourself in those situations though. Like, cause, cause like, I mean, I, I, I've never done any Navy SEAL training or anything like that. Right. But one of the things for me that made me change my life and start going on a different trajectory was just simply, I, uh, you know, when my, my, I talked earlier about how my mum met her partner. Right. And, um, it got to a point where she wanted to move away, right? And and live with this partner. And this was when I was 18. And this is just some life experience, right? It's like, you know, okay, well, uh, I could either continue to or move it out with them and just be a burden, right? And my mom's a single mother, right? So she raised me from the age of four. And I was like, okay, so no, I don't want to do that. I want to let her live her life. Move, and, and just the simple thing of like moving out, having to live on my own, pay rent by myself, do all these things, right? It was like that okay, well, I don't have a fucking choice anymore. Do you know what I mean? If I keep being a, a little shit, if I keep going out and partying on the weekends and doing all this stupid stuff, like I'm just not going to survive. And I think it talks like, you know, for you, right? Like it was like, okay, what am I going to do in life? What, what, what's the next step for me? And all right, well, I'm going to go do this thing and I'm going to put myself in a, in a situation where it's sink or swim. Mm -hmm. And I think like it really just does talk to putting yourself in those situations and, and kind of, Cause that, it, you know, you said it, right. It's like nothing even compares to combat. So we can talk about training all you want, but when you put yourself in a situation where it's sink or swim, that's probably where you get the best out of yourself. 100%. And 
I, I did a podcast actually earlier today with a gentleman actually in Australia as well. Uh, and it's second time me doing a podcast with him and he listened to Jocko podcast 246. And that's where I kind of really shared my story of just like, you know, the struggles and overcoming that and that stuff that nobody had any idea what was going on. And I was explaining to him, he was like, dude, why didn't, you know, he kind of asked a question like Jocko did and other people have since they listen to that podcast. Like, why didn't you reach out? Why didn't you ask for help or anything else like that? Knowing that these guys would help you. And I told him, I'm like, I wasn't in the situation where I was about to drown. I was getting close to it, but I wasn't there. And I also understand, and I've always understood that, that it is my responsibility. The situation that I'm in in life is 100% my responsibility. 100%. And especially the situation I was in. And I know someone's listening and they're like, well, what if you had cancer? That, I'm not, I didn't have cancer. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a situation I put myself in by making decisions to leave a company I was working for, to start my own consulting company based off an emotional decision, which was the right decision, but it was still emotionally driven. Therefore, I didn't properly plan and prepare for that right? I didn't have a, a solid plan. I was just like, oh, I'm going to make this happen. And I did. But man, the burden it put on my family was just not fair. And the reason why for help is because it was my problem to fix. It's always going to be my fucking problem. I'm not going to put my problems. I'm not going to put my burden on anybody else. If I got myself there, I can get myself out. Mm. And so the analogy I gave this guy was, hey, if I'm in the middle of a lake, and I'm treading water. I can tread water for a while. Most humans can tread water for a while. You can just, you figure it out. You move the legs around, you move the hands, you know, you're doing this, you're like going underwater, and then you come back up. You could do that for a while. If I'm in the middle of a lake, knowing that I'm in a lake, and I continue treading water, treading water, treading water, treading water, treading water, and I'm getting exhausted, and I keep treading water, and I'm getting more tired, and I'm starting to kind of get a little bit of water splashed in my mouth, and I kind of cough and choke on that, and then I kind of go underwater, and then I come back up, and I gasp, and, and then I drown. I drown. That's 100% my fault because I stayed in one spot treading water. Guess what I have the ability to do? Swim in any direction around me, pick a direction and go. And I knew that if I just picked a direction and went, I would win. I was going to reach the shore of that lake. I didn't care how long it took me because if I'm swimming towards something, I'm actually more able to last longer than just treading in water in one place because there's actually momentum when I'm swimming and I can get aerodynamic and I can conserve my energy. I can't do that when I'm treading water. And there's somebody listening to this right now that's treading water. You need to decide what you're going to do and take action. Because if you don't take action, you get legitimately nowhere in life. And so when I was swimming towards the shore, I saw options and opportunities, right? I had a few in front of me. One, I could go overseas and contract to make $1,000 a day for 70 days straight. When you have zero money in your bank account, that's a lot of money. That's still a lot of money, right? A thousand a day for 70 days. Come on. That's 70 grand. That's a lot of money. And so that was, Hey, that was on the, that was on, that was a coastline, right? That was, that was a the shore that I could see and I'm swimming towards that. And then the opportunity to work with Jocko Leif came about and guess what? It wasn't the closest point of the shore. It was just a little bit over here, which meaning that I, I I'm going to have to change my path. 
but I still saw the shore. It wasn't like, hey, you got to go directly behind you. It was that direction. And so what I had to do was understand, okay, can I get to that point where I'm at? Do I have enough energy? Absolutely. Because when I saw that new point, it actually gave me more energy, more focus and tenacity and drive and discipline to, to go where I needed to be. Because ahead of me, that was a shore, but it wasn't the shore I wanted to be on. This was a nice beach. This was a resort style shore that I wanted to go bring my family to. And if I just got there then I could get on shore, take a breath, reestablish my mission, figure out what was going to happen and go forward. And that's what I did. And so I chose that route with Jocko and Lake. I trusted them. I knew that they would always have my back, that they would never betray me. They would never lead me wrong. They would never, they would never do any of that stuff that you happening to people and stuff that I'd actually experienced with other people that I thought I had my best interest. But I knew that I knew that that was going to be okay. And so that was the commitment that I made. I made a commitment to them and I made a commitment to myself and my family that I was never going to put myself in that position financially ever again. Like I didn't care what, it would never happen again. So even when I started working with Jocko and Leif, I wasn't getting paid yet. I would do gigs and I was doing events and I was preparing myself for those. But nobody's calling Echelon Front back then and trying to book JP to know. Nobody knew who I was. Yeah, Jocko had me on his podcast, but still like, I didn't write the book. I wasn't, you know, like I wasn't who they were wanting. But then when gigs slowly started to come about, I was doing them. I wasn't getting paid. I had to wait until Echelon Front got paid. And then I got paid from Echelon Front. And some of these companies weren't paying on time. They would take 30, 60, 75, 90 days to pay, right? And so then I get paid two weeks after that. I mean, you're, you're talking over 100 days before you get paid on something. And, you know, that was, that was rough. And so what I had to keep doing was working and doing anything I could. I was, I was doing construction where Monday through Friday, I would wake up at three, three 30 in the morning and drive three, three and a half hours, four hours sometimes to my buddy to do construction with him. I'd sleep in his attic. I would do that. I'd come back. I was delivering pizzas on the weekends. I was rebuilding fences in my neighborhood for the landlord in exchange for rent. I was spray painting people's addresses on the curbs in front of their house just to make any little bit of extra money that I could. I was teaching shooting. I was teaching tactics and combatives. I was whatever I could do. I was hunting in people's hunt. I was sighting in people's hunting rifles, you know, just uh, whatever I could do to make money. I was selling t-shirts. I had an apparel company called Never Settle Apparel. Um, actually, I had a good amount of people from Australia order my stuff when I had that up and running. I was doing whatever I could. It was, you know, it was very humbling because I would come back from a gig where I was wearing a suit and tie doing a half day leadership workshop for a large multi-million dollar company. And, um, you know, I would go do that and I would fly back to North Mississippi where my wife and I lived at the time with our kids. And then I would take that suit and tie off. I would hang it up and then I'd put on a polo and a, a ball cap for the pizza place that I was delivering pizzas at. And I would go deliver pizzas until midnight. And then I would stay and work an extra hour or two helping clean up the kitchen and do the dishes just so I can get a little bit of extra money. You know, and that doesn't seem like a big deal, but I mean, it's, it's, it is a big deal, right? You it all know, adds up, man. It all, it all, you know, it all, all that extra little bit of work adds up into a way that, you know, yeah. you're keeping your head above water and you're not only just keeping your head above water, but still creating momentum forward. Swimming, right? It's what you said yeah. before, JP, you know, like, you, you know, you, if you weren't like the, the the metaphor is beautiful because it, it really does show that 
the difference between swimming and treading water. Like you wouldn't have seen that opportunity, the, you know, the, the, the opportunity that's a little bit to the right, if you weren't swimming, because if you're only treading water, you're not getting that opportunity. Right. Yeah. And, and you're not going anywhere. So it's like the metaphor of swimming is, you know, you were swimming to get to that point and to get that opportunity. Um, but if you weren't swimming, you would never have got that opportunity. And swimming is the representation of all those little things that you were doing that were adding up to allowing you to eventually get to this position where you are now, right? And taking that opportunity. Yeah. I, I might, if I can just add something onto that, man, like, you know, I think it's safe to say that the compounding interest of your life experiences has given you a very unique point of view as far as mindset and ability to just be a hardworking motherfucker. Um, but how how does that transition from like being in the navy to now being you know in the business mentoring space because you know as you know being hardworking is is a very big part of the pie but having some like business acumen having some direction and ability to you know observe and, and assess what's in front of you how is that kind of how has that come from the navy because it's very clear that your ability to just work hard has been you know obviously instilled from you from a very young age and then also probably reinstilled in the navy but where does that kind of transition into business? So you have to have skills, right? I mean, you can be a hard worker, but if you don't have skills, then it really doesn't matter. Now, how do you get those skills? Well, if you're coachable and teachable, you can get those skills. So there's a couple of different ways to go about it. One, you can seek out a mentor. The mentor is never going to seek out the mentee. That's not their, That's not what they do. The mentee should always seek out the mentor, meaning you're asking someone to guide you and help you and teach you stuff in life. Now, why would somebody do that for someone? Well, there needs to be value. There needs to be potential there. You know, so it, it, Tyler, I mean, sorry, Kyle, geez. I, I put the T from your last name on there. I apologize. So, <laughs> no, you're right. Um, so Kyle, if, if you're, if you're reaching out to me and, and you're saying, Hey man, I, I really want to learn this. I, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like I want you to mentor me. I want you to teach me all these things that you want. Like you have to understand that for me to do that, that takes time, right? That's actual time from my family. That's time for my business. That's time from jujitsu. That's time from sleep. That's time from working out. That's time. And my time is very valuable. I, I put a price tag on my time. Unlike anything else, because I'm not getting it back. And it's, it's very short lived. Like my kids aren't getting younger, you know, like my business is, you know, and so time is a very valuable asset. And so if I'm going to trade my time, why, what's in it for me, what's in it for my community, my family, the world, right? If I see that there's potential in you actually making a difference in the world, actually making a difference in your community, your family, and I believe that you're going to have a lasting impact on people. And then I believe that you can actually redo what you're asking me to do. And you're going to be coachable and teachable. And you're going to learn. Do that. And so there, there has to be that understanding that when you're asking somebody to coach and train and mentor you, you're asking a lot from somebody. It doesn't seem like a lot, but that is a lot. That's a big ask. And so if you're trying to, to, be better, like you were saying, but about, you know, you're like, yeah, you're a hard worker. And I appreciate that. And my dad's the hardest working man I've ever seen in my life. And so is my mother and my grandparents. Like, I mean, they have outworked everybody I've ever seen. It's like, I'm not even exaggerating that. And 
I'm not saying that because it's my, my parents. And it's the same with my father-in-law, my mother-in-law. Like my father-in-law is, I mean, dude, dude, he is such a hard worker, man. And so that's what I've always been surrounded by. But you have to be willing to, to educate yourself as well. When I, when I got out of the military, I was doing sales at a financial company. And I, you know, now all of a sudden I'm having to do PowerPoint presentations and Excel spreadsheets and everything. Guess how much training I had of that in high school? Oh, zero. Guess how much training I had that in college? Oh, I didn't go to college because I went in the military right after high school. Guess how much training I had of that in the military? None, because I was an enlisted guy. I didn't do any of that admin stuff. And I also was young, mature, and never, never sought it out because I, I didn't need to do it. So I didn't want to kind of like to do that. And so now all of a sudden, this is the way I provide for my family. I spent a lot of time on YouTube watching YouTube videos on how to build PowerPoints, PowerPoint presentation demonstrations, uh, same for Excel. And then I would make up mock Excel spreadsheets and teach myself how to do formulas and how to do all that stuff to make it easy. Because at the beginning, it was just like a lot of manual stuff. And then one of the owners of the company was really good at Excel. And I asked him, I'm like, hey, whenever you're doing an Excel spreadsheet, can I just watch you? And he's like, why? I'm like, because I don't know how to do those. He's like, really? I'm like, I've never had to. And he goes, okay. And so he would tell me, and I would just literally sit and watch. And he would tell me what he's doing. I'd watch keyboards. I watched three and I watched, <laughs> I kept doing that. I'm like, trying to take notes. And, and that's how I taught myself is because I knew actually in order for me to do my job, I had to have that skill set. And so either you seek out the training or you buy the training or you invest in the training, whatever, it doesn't matter. You can make excuses or you can make things happen. You can't do both. It's up to you. You choose what you're going to do. And that's what I've been able to apply on the outside is as long as you're coachable and teachable and willing to work hard, you can have success. The I've got a question for you. Yeah. So, so in, in context to that, right? Cause how much of a role do you think social media is playing at the moment? Or, you know, if there's potentially other forces at hand here that are for causing an instant gratification mindset, right? Where, a lot of people are, are seeking out things quickly and needing a reward without actually doing any, any groundwork or, you know, any, having any, any skin in the game in a sense with, with absolutely anything, because um, I mean, I, I see it as a problem. I don't know whether you share the same kind of the mindset on this, but like the, the necessity for reward straight away on something without actually doing any type of you know, any capacity of work whatsoever. Um, um, this is really embarrassing. Um, I'm going to ask you to repeat that because I got distracted. I, uh, my grandmother just found out she's being transported to the hospital right now. So if you could repeat that question, I do, really, you, do you want nope, to nope, we're good. keep rolling? We're, okay. we're good. I just, okay. I want to apologize because I looked down and then I got sucked into reading that man. So you're all right, man. You're allowed to read that. Like that's, you know, like you don't need to apologize. Um, so the question was, was like, how much I was talking about an instant gratification mindset. So, you know, I mean, I see it as a problem um, at the moment. And I want like, I think the, the force at hand that I believe is kind of um, causing that is, is social media. But like, there seems to be an instant gratification mindset out there where people need to be rewarded almost instantly without actually having any, 
any groundwork done, any type of work and, and work put into something. And I was wondering, cause it kind of, you said you need to be coachable. You need to have skills, but it seems as though people want the reward without actually having any skin in the game. I agree a hundred percent. And that's, that is a generational thing right now that literally people like our kids, that's what we struggle with with our kids is that instant gratification. <clears throat> and we can't blame them that we can't blame them for that because that's all they know. That's all they're being taught. So it is up to us as adults, as, as leaders for our kids, our community and future generations to actually teach them why that's a bad thing. We actually have to teach them why patience is a virtue. It really is. I'm not good with it. I promise you. I've, I've got a temper. Oh, it's bad. I need to learn to detach from my emotions and I need to learn to actually have patience in life. And we have to be taught that. And you have to understand that if people aren't being put into situations where that's required of them, then how do you expect them to know why they should be doing that? You can't, you can't blame them, right? Mm -hmm. you, you just have to actually take ownership of your life and take ownership of this environments that you're in and understand like, Hey, okay, I need to change things. I actually need to, you know, X, Y, Z. And so as far as how do you, how do you fix that? is you need to learn to detach yourself and, and kind of put some reality checks into your life once in a while. For me, I, I feel, I feel guilty at times when people are like, man, thank you for your service. I pretty, I'm like, at one, it was the best time of my life. I was very honored to do what I did, but I feel guilty because I've seen and experienced things in life that give me the advantage. I, I, I truly, I have seen people living, living in situations that we would not find acceptable. And you have to understand that your worst day is somebody's dream. Mm. And if you can remind yourself of that, then maybe it helps you have a little bit of a reality check of a dose of reality once in a while. You know, I, um, I mean, you know, you said it yourself there, man, like people's people's ability to actually understand the, the gravity of their own situation. Now, if we use the, the current climate in the world, like, yes, Granted, there is a lot of bad shit going on at the moment with um, the pandemic and a lot of businesses have suffered, but yeah, I'll bring it back to something you said very early on. It's your decision to make that work or it doesn't. Um, and the fact that someone's you know, biggest problem today is their business um, being in a situation where it has to learn to swim. It has to learn to find that momentum in, in the pandemic today. That is a choice. And if, that, if that's a choice you have, that's a choice you actually have the ability to make right now, you're doing pretty fucking okay. Yeah, like if you've got a business, like you're 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 fucking okay. Like the fact that you even have a business that's registered in your name and you know how to do that, like you know, like that's like I often have to fucking give myself that reality check where it's like you know you feel like you're walking around stress off your head, like and you're bringing that stress home and and all these kind of things that you know every, all of us go through as business owners, and then all you just kind of get to give yourself that reality check. It's like the fact that I'm even able to sit on a zoom call right now and have a conversation with two dudes that I fucking respect and I love, and this is work for me is like, holy shit. Like this is the best fucking day ever. Do you know what and I mean? You know, I, yeah. I think that I literally think the same thing constantly because I'm so fortunate to be doing what I do. Right. I mean, being a Navy SEAL, I promise you is the best job in the world. I mean, especially when you're a young man, even when you're an old man, bro, I got buddies that are still in that are like, dude, it's the best thing ever. And it is, this is the second best thing working for Jocko and Leif, getting to talk to people across the world. I mean, I grew up with a speech impediment. I was in speech therapy all throughout school 
And I'm an international speaker now. Like, that's crazy. It blows my mind. You know, the fact that we're doing a Zoom and you guys are in Australia and I'm in Texas and we're actually able to talk about what I've learned in life, what you guys have learned in life, how it can help people. That's phenomenal, right? I mean, we have been blessed. We truly have been blessed. And, you know, if you own a business, if you're listening to this podcast and you own a business, stop complaining because I promise you somebody wants those complaints that you have. And you know what? You you actually have competitors that are out there going, I'm so happy they're complaining because I'm going to take everything no, from them. Yeah. Everything from them. We had a we had a sign in the SEAL teams that are above the doors that would say, the enemy thanks you for not giving 100% today. And, ooh, I mean, you'd be leaving work and you'd see that, right? The enemy thanks you for not giving 100% today. And it was just a reminder of like, hey, you better put in the work. You better put in the time. You better be disciplined. You better be fighting for your life. Because for us, that was a reality. And is there any difference of that in business? No. You are fighting for your livelihood. You are fighting for you know, the ability to, to, to pass on generational wealth. There are people that are going to do it, that are listening to this, and there are people that aren't going to do it. It's a decision of the individual. It's nobody else's responsibility but yours to go and do the, the work. That's all, it, that's all it takes. Now you have to be smart with the work that you do and you have to find balance and you have to build a team and you have to be a good leader and you actually have to train and equip other leaders to be able to do what you do. The ultimate goal of a leader to be in charge of everything, you should be in charge of nothing. You should be building your replacements. You should have a team full of people that can take your job. Because when you're able to do that, you can be up and out. You can think strategically. You can see the big picture. You can give them guidance, overview. And then you can think strategically for other stuff. I just, it's awesome how life works out. God has unique plans for us all. I mean, I was talking with my buddy earlier today who I said, who owns this company, 360 Fitness, and talking about his future growth and the plans that he wants to do. And I was telling him all the stuff that I've wanted to do within that industry as well. And the alignment that we had on stuff. And he's like, yeah, man, I've, I really want us to be able to work on stuff together, you know? And I was like, yeah, dude, that's kind of what I want as well. And we both understand that it's not going to happen if we don't understand that if we can't find alignment and if that we can't build and pour into each other, then that it's not going to work. Right. And you know, you have, you have to, get to find it all. And that's why leadership is simple. It's just not easy. Business is actually simple. Agree. Easy to execute. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to execute. I will, um, which you've, you've mentioned, you've mentioned Jocko and Lace and Echelon Front quite a lot, but one thing I want to ask, and this is probably uh, a bit of a question where uh, if going to be the easy answer will be the humble road, the, you know, you know, the humble road of, you know, being, uh, you know, just, trying to play it off of something that you, that you're not as good as what you are. I, I can imagine that you be very easy to be humble here, but why you, why did Jocko and Lath bring you into echelon front? Because would it be fair to assume that there are a million other hardworking people um, in the, in the teams and you know, what, what was the, what was your purple cow? What was the thing that made you different? You know, that's a good question. I'd like to actually ask Jocko and Leif. I've always kind of wondered, you know what I mean? But I also have to, you know, give myself a little bit of credit for being tenacious. Like I said earlier, like you should have tenacity. 
and seeking out those mentors. I didn't just hit them up once and say, hey, let me know if I can help you guys. Or, hey, let me know if you guys have anything that I can be a part of. That's the thing that a lot of people do is like, hey, let me know if there's anything I can be a part of. Basically saying, hey, if you got anything that I could benefit from, let me know. Mm-hmm. I never did that. I still don't do that. Even to this day, like I, I, I don't do that with them. And I never did that from the get-go. It was me constantly saying, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? Is there anything I can do to help you, Jocko? Hey, is there... Is there a possibility I could just, you know, come observe one of these trainings and just see what you're doing and learn and take notes and, hey, you know, you need me to help doing sales? Like, you need me to, like, answer calls? Like, what can I do? And Jocko always was like, hey, man, just make sure you're reading the book more than once, listen to the podcast, and just thinking how you would answer these questions and what you would do in these situations. I said, okay, Roger that. And guess what? That's what I did. And I was consistent with reaching out. And I didn't bug them, right? There's a difference. You know, you want to be default aggressive, but not overbearing. That's one of the dichotomies that we talk about. And I was being default aggressive on reaching out and, you know, making sure I wanted help and communicating and blah, blah, blah. But then I also knew that if I was overbearing, then that would, you know, I'd be pushed away because I didn't want to be a burden. You don't ever want to be a burden to someone. You want to be an asset, you know, and assets get brought along. Burdens get left behind. And I didn't want to be left behind because I knew where they would be going with this. And, um, you know, I just, I was just consistent and smart with it. And then finally the opportunity came about where Jock was like, Hey, you know, we have this event coming up. It's called the muster. I don't know if you can make it out to it or not, but I'd love for you to come out and kind of see what we're doing. And I was like, okay, cool. What are the dates? And he told me the dates. And I was like, my stomach just dropped, man, because I already had commitments during that time. And I was, you know, teaching shooting during that time. And then from that trip, I was going to be headed overseas for that contracting gig. You know, and I called Amanda and I called somebody else as well, a a mentor type of guy that was in my life who was, you know, super nice, awesome guy that had already kind of gave me guidance and was really trying to help me, help me out. Um, you know, and I talked to Amanda about it and Amanda's like, you know what you need to do. Like, you know, Jocko and Leif are always going to take care of us. You know, they're not going to screw you over. They're at least always going to tell you the truth, right? And be honest and upfront. And I knew that. I just wanted to make sure she was aligned with that. You know, I just, I couldn't, you know, I'd already ruined my marriage once and I had fought to get it back and I didn't want to do it again. So I knew that we needed to be on the same page. And I just, you know, I, I made the commitment. I reached out to my buddy who I was already committed that week to teach shooting to. And I was like, hey, man. Like this opportunity I have, he's like, bro, that's amazing. He goes, yeah, I'll get it covered. I'm like, really? Okay. I was like, I still want to kind of teach these other days because I need the money, right? He's like, yeah, no factor, bro. No, you know, and then he, you know, allowed me to still be on that thing and find points and, you know, beg, borrowed and steal, steal and got my way to San Diego. And, you know, I was a part of that at first muster and, you know, Jocko had me on the podcast and, you know, I just, I just remained humble and coachable and teachable. And swimming. What? Keep swimming. Yeah, I just kept swimming, man. And I showed them that I was going to keep swimming. And I, you know, I told them, you know, from the get go, how thankful I was for the opportunity and that, you know, these, these were my goals of us and what I wanted to help them do. And, you know, I just always showed them what I was going to do. I, ne- I never, I never told them anything I knew I wasn't going to be able to come through with. And a lot of times I would actually do stuff before I told them to show them what I did you know, to just to show them my value and my worth 
And, you know, I think that that helped. Right. And I was the first leadership instructor they brought on board. Um, I give a lot of credit to that, to the good Lord above for the opportunity and my timing. And, and also I give you know credit to myself and my wife for actually taking action. You know, that was a risk. That was a lot. That was a big risk, you know, because Jocko even said, he's like, man, I don't, we don't have work for you right now. Nobody knows who you are. Nobody's calling to book you. I don't know. It could be one gig. It could be 52 gigs. I don't know. And what's cool is the calendar year for my first gig, a full year, I did a hundred events, a hundred events, man. It was incredible. It was just such a blessing. And then the next year was even more. And now I'm the director of experiential leadership training, which is all of our hands-on leadership-based training that we run at Echelon Front. And, um, you know, actually our first FTX 001 is actually this next week here in the DFW area, Dallas-Fort Worth area. And just to see the progression and growth has been amazing. So, you know, to circle back to your question, bud, I, I really think it was a combination of opportunity and me taking action and understanding and being humble enough to know that I was lucky and blessed to have the opportunity to have, and that I better work my ass off to show them that that was the best decision that they've ever made. And still to this day, that's my thoughts. It's still to this day is I need to show Jocko and Leif that this was the best decision they've made. I don't, I don't get cocky. I don't, I don't get, you know, like, Hey man, I, I definitely deserve to be here. I don't think that ever. I am constantly in the mindset of I need, I've, I've earned my seat. And I know that I've earned my seat at this table, but you know what you also have to earn the ability to maintain that seat. Yep. And there are business owners out there that have allowed complacency to creep in. There are husbands and wives that allow complacency to creep in and it's going to ruin everything that they have. You're going to lose your marriage. You're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your business because you think the seat you earned is yours to keep. And it's not, you actually have to earn and fight to keep that seat every damn day. And if you're not willing to do that, you're going to lose that everything that's great in life. I got one final question uh, that I want to use to wrap this up. And uh, everything you just said then, man, is, is amazing advice. Um, I, you know, even myself here, I feel like I just want to stand, like I'm getting pumped up myself. So, but I, I wanted to finish with what's one piece of advice you would give to, uh, uh, you know, a person who's maybe in a leadership role that is currently, you know, either struggling or even an aspiring leader. What's the one thing that you would tell them, you know, right now? Yeah, I would say read Extreme Ownership because the, the, the amount of information and tools in that book is phenomenal. That was, that was, so, so I don't read books, right? I mean, I read a lot now, but yeah, that was the first book I ever read. Like, I mean, during school, I fucking hated books, right? And then I, mean, I reckon at the age of 21, I started reading. I think Extreme Ownership was the first book I ever read. Crazy. And and you know what? That was like when I, I was about two years into business then or a year into business, and it was fucking one of the best things I ever did. Yeah, well, that's one hell of a first book to read is I would say read Extreme Ownership. And if someone's like, oh, I don't have the time to read or I don't have the time for the audio, like, cool. Like, just sign off now because you're not going to do anything great with your life. It requires discipline. You know what I mean? Uh, if you can't read a damn book, like, how do you ever expect to achieve anything great in your life? Just be disciplined. Read 10 pages a day. It's not that hard, right? I don't like to read. I now love to read because I understand that there's actual knowledge in that, right? And then, you know, knowledge isn't power. 
It's the application of knowledge that's power. And so I have all these little tools that I'm getting every single day I, I, I read, and it gives me the ability to apply them in different mm -hmm. areas of my life to achieve success. Mm -hmm. So you should be reading. So read Extreme Ownership, read Dichotomy of Leadership, Jocko's book that he wrote. I, I mean, Jocko Leif, I mean, Leif, myself, everyone else says this is the best book that Jocko's written is Leadership Strategy and Tactics. I mean, it's phenomenal. Actually, you know, our rep for Jocko Fuel and Origin down in Australia, he actually has those books now available that you can actually get with him and, and order uh, and get them there in Australia. But Leadership Strategy and Tactics, is, it's a book that just breaks down the basic leadership things that you're going to be involved in. And so, but until then, right, so let's just say you're going to go read that, but you need this answer right now. You know, the, the, the thing of advice I would give you is, you know, as a leader, you have to find balance. As an individual, we have to find balance. And trying to find that means that I need to balance between owning everything in my world and understanding that extreme ownership is a mindset and that I can't blame anybody else that I actually have to own the problems and solutions but then I also have to ownership to my team and if you're trying to grow a business you actually have to give ownership to your team you can't expect them to take ownership if you're not giving ownership mm. and at the end of the day do what you say you're going to do. Be a man or a woman of integrity. Follow through your, to your commitments and understand that this is not about you. That is actually your job and your responsibility now to serve others. And if you're trying to grow a business to be self-serving, it's going to be short-lived. But if you can find a way to switch your mindset to your attitude is I am going to serve people. I get to serve people today. You will find success. Amazing. We're going to wrap it up. Um, I want to say a big thanks, man. I, we really appreciate your time. Um, just being able to sit here and learn from you as well. I know, you know, myself and, and Reese, you know, just sitting here and kind of gaining these lessons and being able to have this conversation has been super beneficial for me. So, we know it's going to be super beneficial for those that listen. Um, but yeah, man, just a, a massive thanks for coming on the show. And, um, you know, we're both really appreciative. Absolutely. Thank you, man. I just want to say a big thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the show. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, feel free to share us, share the episode with your friends and family and feel free to leave us a review as well. Uh, you know, we, all the support that we get for the, for the show. And especially now that we've revamped it, uh, we're trying to bring something that's got a little bit more value. It's definitely appreciated. And if you have a question, uh, for strategy sessions next week, you want us to take a bit of a deep dive and help you work through some of the roadblocks in your business, or you just want some help creating some winning strategy. You can shoot me an email at Kyle at elitevitalitycoaching.com. But I'll leave it there. Until next week, stay safe, stay, safe, stay healthy, uh, and I'll see you on the other side.